Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, there was a class action lawsuit filed this week that may change the way college athletes and ex-college athletes are compensated when their names and likenesses are used. We will discuss that story in segment three. In segment four, it is almost NFL season, so that means we're going to have Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports' NFL writer, Join us in segment four. We'll talk about everything ranging from the return to the gridiron of Michael Vick to a new investor with the Miami Dolphins. All of that coming up in segment four with Charles Robinson, the NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com and link to the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages. I want to welcome KABA 87.7 FM, Alaska's business authority, to the Sports Business Radio Network. We're very pleased to have them on board as part of our Sports Business Radio family. I'm joined in studio by Bobby Corser. Bobby, Tom Watson, save the day with the ratings for ABC. Tiger Woods doesn't make the cut at the British Open, and if it's not for a 59-year-old trying to become the oldest Grand Slam winner, I think most people tune out of last weekend's British Open. Yeah, not only did he save the ratings, he made ABC executives very happy because people were tuning in in really strong numbers to see if he was going to win a major as you know the oldest guy to ever win a major, possibly. Yeah, it was a compelling story. You know, I don't find myself rooting for teams or athletes very often, but boy, was I rooting for Tom Watson. Even though he came up a little short and Stuart Sink was the eventual champion, I thought he made a heck of a showing, and uh, I'm sure he's going to have plenty of endorsement opportunities coming up in the future. Speaking of coming up, headlines for the week, Sports Business Radio headlines coming up next. A prominent athlete is changing shoes. Who is it? We'll tell you that's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, Tom Watson saved the day for ABC's ratings of the British Open last weekend after Tiger Woods failed to make the cut. ABC earned a 3.9 overnight Nielsen rating for last Sunday's final round coverage of the British Open, which was won by Stuart Sink in a four-hole playoff over Tom Watson. The overnight rating is up 11.1% from a 3.5 for last year's final round when Padraig Harrington won his second consecutive Open Championship, but it's down 4.9% from a 4.1 rating for the 2007 final round, which featured Harrington defeating Sergio Garcia in a playoff. Now, Saturday's third round earned a 2.4 overnight. That's down 14.3% from a 2.8 last year. Bobby, clearly, when Tiger Woods is not in the mix, people turn off the TV. I think the only reason people turned on the TV on Sunday is they saw Tom Watson had a legitimate chance to win the British Open. He was atop the leaderboard, and they thought, oh my gosh, is a 59-year-old actually going to win a Grand Slam? So they turned on the TV. If he hadn't been in the mix, this probably would have been one of the lowest-rated British Opens in the history of the British Open. You know, only being down 14 points, not too bad. ABC executives are counting their lucky stars because it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, and that's on Saturday. The ratings were up on Sunday. So I think what people did on Saturday is they turned off the TV when Tiger didn't make the cut. And then when they woke up on Sunday morning and they knew that Tom Watson had a legitimate chance They turned on the TV. Now, Cable Facts Daily reports that PGA.com delivered traffic increases Thursday of the week of the British Open, including 21.5 million page views, 720,000 daily unique visitors, and 233,000 live streams. That's up 34%, 56%, and 66% respectively over last year's British Open. So, again, as we see across all tournaments, especially the majors in golf, online traffic for these tournaments is up, especially when you have a few holes like they have at the Masters where you can watch live streaming video. The other interesting note with the British Open, Stuart Sink is a Nike golf athlete. Lucas Glover, the surprise winner of the U.S. Open, also a Nike golf athlete. So Tiger Woods being paid handsomely by Nike Golf, but Nike Golf does have other players that they signed to endorsement deals so as I said on my Twitter account this week, I think this is icing on the cake. You expect Tiger to win every tournament. If he doesn't win, you hope that one of your other Nike golf endorsers wins. And Lucas Glover wins the U.S. Open. Now Stuart Sink wins the British Open. Good times for Nike golf. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing about overall numbers increase on traffic on websites, one of the big reasons that they don't mention is the fact that most of the U.S. coverage is tape delayed a few hours. So if people want to find out what's happening in real time, that's why they go to PGATour.com. That's why they go to ESPN.com. That's why they go to SportsBusinessRadio.com because we can provide information in real time that they can't get on TV. Our next headline, Nike announced that Miami Heat guard Dwayne Wade will now be representing the Jordan brand. This after endorsing Converse since entering the NBA in 2003. This according to Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press in Miami. Wade had three years remaining on his deal with Converse, which 
had him as the centerpiece of its attempt to reinvigorate the company's once-thriving basketball business. Both Converse and the Jordan brand are owned by Nike, but run independently. Now, this move is a significant add to Wade's endorsement resume, which already includes deals with T-Mobile and Gatorade. A Wade 5 shoe was to be released by Converse in the coming weeks, although it now seems likely that orders from retailers for that model will be canceled. Wade's move really hurts Converse, Bobby. Nike purchased Converse back in 2003 for $305 million. Again, Wade kind of the centerpiece athlete for all of their efforts. I haven't seen any commercials for Converse with anyone other but Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade really didn't like their shoes. He didn't like how they fit him during the games. And I think he's been pining to be a Jordan athlete for a while. Michael Jordan played in Chicago. Dwayne Wade from Chicago grew up watching Michael Jordan. It's interesting because it takes the air out of the balloon of the Converse brand, but it also helps the the Jordan brand. They also have athletes like Chris Paul and Derek Jeter. And not to mention the fact now that Marquette University will switch over to Jordan brand for the basketball program, kind of what North Carolina has with Michael Jordan. But, yeah, you're right. You lose your centerpiece of your basketball franchise, per se. Converse has really nobody left now that they can really put in a marketing standpoint. The only good news for Converse is they have a much lower price point with their shoes than the Jordan brand does. So maybe you can take a rookie or you can take a a less profile player and put them at the centerpiece of your efforts. But if not, you have to wonder, uh, you know, why this move was made and what happens with Converse going forward. Go on to my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. I have some interesting history between Converse and Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and Converse and lots of interesting stories there. Our next headline, the New York Yankees announced this week that Army and Notre Dame, their football teams will play at Yankee Stadium in 2010. Army will host one game in the stadium in each of the next three seasons. They're going to play a home game in 2011 versus Rutgers, 2012 against Air Force, and 2014 versus Boston College. Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick said that the contest would be a home game for the Fighting Irish, their matchup with Army, meaning it will be broadcast on NBC. Now, Notre Dame and Army have met at Yankee Stadium 22 times, Bobby, but this is the first time they'll be meeting since 1969. Uh, I was reading some quotes from the Yankees executives this week, and they said when they built the $1 billion-plus Yankee Stadium, they built it with football in mind, We also might see hockey there sometime, the Winter Classic, but I think it'll be kind of cool to see football, especially Notre Dame football and Army football, at Yankee Stadium. You know, it's really kind of reviving this great rivalry, and I I like the idea of it at Yankee Stadium. I heard today that uh, a lot of people have been complaining lately about the seat views for baseball at Yankee Stadium. However, football, they said, would be perfect because there will be no bad seats for football, only baseball. Our next headline, the NBA and the Beijing Municipal Bureau of Sports this week announced that the Nuggets of Denver will play the Indiana Pacers in a preseason game at Wukasong Arena on October 11th. The contest will mark the eighth NBA preseason game played in Greater China and the third played in Beijing. It's also the fifth 2009 preseason game announced so far that will be played outside the United States. The game will mark the opening of a refurbished Wukasong Arena, which served as the basketball venue for the 2008 Beijing Games. 
uh, Bobby, this again shows that David Stern, the most forward-thinking commissioner in sports, is expanding his brand outside of the North American borders. Yeah, and you know what? We talk on the show all the time that China is the new target for the NBA. And every time that they get a game there, you know, it, ticket sales go quickly. The television views are way up. You know, listen, David Stern is right. You put it your product in front of the most people, and by going to China, he's getting that done. I've been to China. I've been to Japan. I've seen how strong the NBA brand is over there. I'm going to the Philippines this week, and supposedly the brand is very strong over there. I will definitely be interested to see firsthand how strong the NBA brand is in the Philippines. Our last headline of the week, a sad note, Major League Baseball San Francisco Giants senior general partner Sue Burns passed away this week at the age of 58 at her home in Atherton, California. She was diagnosed with cancer, lung cancer, on July 10th, and she was taken just days later. Uh, Bobby, Burns was really instrumental with Peter McGowan in keeping the Giants in San Francisco. It looked there for a while in the early 90s that the team could be moving to Florida, but then they got a deal done with private financing to build AT&T Park using $320 million in private funds. That was enough to build the new ballpark, kept the Giants in San Francisco. Without Sue Burns, we might be looking at the Florida Giants. And the thing about the whole deal to get AT&T Park, it might be the last time that we ever see totally you know, private funds used to build a sports venue. All right, coming up next, an interesting class action lawsuit this week filed by a former NCAA champion basketball player. Who is it? What's this about? We'll tell you. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. I've got a confession to make. I'm a sucker for good ice cream. There's nothing better than watching a sporting event while enjoying an ice cream cone, or better yet, fixing an ice cream sundae with my daughter. Lucky for me, I found an indulgent ice cream at an affordable price. Moose Tracks ice cream comes in a variety of flavors, including chocolate moose tracks, extreme moose tracks, mint moose tracks, and of course, original moose tracks, just to name a few. What's my favorite moose tracks ice cream flavor? It's chocolate moose tracks, which is chocolate ice cream with peanut butter cups and famous moose tracks fudge. For a chocoholic and peanut butter lover like me, it's heaven. What's your favorite moose tracks flavor? To find the Moose Tracks branded store nearest you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. That's M-O-O-S-E-T-R-A-C-K-S dot com. Or find the Moose Tracks banner on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Moose Tracks Ice Cream, the official ice cream of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. Former UCLA basketball star Ed O'Bannon was named Tuesday as the lead plaintiff in a lawsuit alleging former college football and basketball players are illegally denied a share of profits made by the NCAA through the sale of television and online reruns, video games, jerseys, and other paraphernalia. The lawsuit seeks unspecified damages and charges in the way the NCAA compensates former players. It also accuses the NCAA of an antitrust violation for allegedly having its schools and conferences artificially depress former players' share of revenue to zero. 
O'Bannon said, I've always been one to wonder why former student-athletes weren't compensated for their games on television, said O'Bannon, who helped lead UCLA to an NCAA championship in 1995. The NCAA is making money off of DVDs and old reruns with people like me in it. Hey, I'm no longer in college. Something is wrong here. This isn't the first time an athlete has had a problem with compensation from the NCAA. In May, former Arizona State quarterback Sam Keller filed a similar class action lawsuit against the NCAA and video game maker Electronic Arts. A few weeks ago, former Rutgers quarterback Ryan Hart filed his own lawsuit for the same reasons. And in November, in a case involving professional athletes, former NFL players who contended they were being cut from profits made in marketing deals, a federal jury in San Francisco ordered the NFL Players Association to pay $28.1 million in damages to retirees. The award was reduced in a settlement to $26.25 million. Bobby, this is interesting, and I think this lawsuit's going to open up the floodgates now for something that we've discussed on this show for a long, long time. You've got an athlete here like Ed O'Bannon. And, you know, the NCAA says we can't pay amateur athletes when we use their likeness in NCAA licensed games. Well, now Ed O'Bannon, is a co- he's not a college athlete anymore. He's not an amateur. He's able to get paid. He actually played the NBA for a while. So what he's saying is, look, you're making money off of my name and likeness. I want a piece of the action. And frankly, I think he's right. No, I believe he is too. The thing that the NCA will have to do if they don't want to shell out money, and listen, all you know, things are pointing at that they're eventually going to either have to cut a deal with all these former athletes and give them some money, or they're going to have to get a really good marketing department that's able to market you know, current athletes for the next you know, one, two, three, or four years, however long they're there, and then turn around and just remarket a different package later because everybody's going to want a piece of the pie when they're done playing. Well, it's interesting. One of the things in video games, and I don't play a lot of video games, but it's come back into fashion, is being able to pit a team or an athlete from today's era against a team or an athlete from yesterday's era. So, you know, you may see Babe Ruth in a baseball game. You may see uh, Mike Tyson fighting Muhammad Ali, dream matchups that we've always wanted. In college basketball, you may see the 1995 UCLA Bruins team playing you know, the 2006 UCLA Bruins team. So it's interesting, how are those athletes of yesterday being compensated? Obviously, athletes like Ed O'Bannon, who played on the 1995 UCLA championship team, not being compensated. Ed O'Bannon is a car salesman in Las Vegas. And again, he's saying, if you're putting me in a video game, you're making money off of my name and likeness. I'm not an amateur athlete anymore. I'm able to accept payment why am I not getting paid? You know, the NCAA and games like EA Sports, and I play video games, they get around it currently by they don't put names on the jerseys or the players. They just put your number. And it's not always, you know, the accurate number, but it's close enough. There are guys out there that you pay a couple bucks to. They'll send you a chip, and look, all the names appear now. So you're actually playing with the guys. Old teams have names and numbers because, you know, listen, they're not in college anymore. We don't need to pay them anymore. So you can do the matchup thing, but listen— you got to pay the guys if you're using their likeness. That's not fair. Well, and this isn't just video games. This is DVDs. This is, you know, classic sports. These are, you know, you, we've got all these sports channels now airing all of these old games, and then they're running commercials during the games. Is the athlete being paid? 
Is the team being paid? No. You know, in many cases, the leagues own the footage. So if you're NBA TV, if you're Major League Baseball TV, you own that footage. You can re-air those games. I think it would be a harder case for an athlete to make that I should be getting paid for the rebroadcast of, you know, my game back in 1977. But... You know, it's still interesting because there are people and networks that are profiting off of old footage, off of old gear. I mean, I was just in the NBA store in New York last week. And when I was in there, it was interesting. There were Adidas shirts because Adidas is the licensee for the NBA. And there were caricatures. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan, Wilt Chamberlain. And I thought to myself... I wonder if any of those guys are getting a piece of these sales because these shirts were selling for like $35 a piece. They weren't cheap, and they looked like they were hot sellers. So I wonder, are those athletes getting a piece of any of that action? Now, there are retired players associations, and does the money just go to the retired players association? As I told you with the example of the NFL, some of the money does But if I'm the marquee athletes, the Magic Johnsons, the Larry Birds, you know, a Walter Payton who's deceased now, where does that money go? Does it actually get back to the estates or to the individuals themselves instead of just going back into the Retired Players Association? We need to have someone on this show from the Retired Player Association of the NFL to the NBA. I think this would be a fascinating conversation. But again, Ed O'Bannon's lawsuit this week. And he's asked other athletes to join with him on this lawsuit. It's a class action lawsuit. It's going to be interesting to follow because I think the NCAA might have to change the way that they market ex-athletes and the way they make money off of ex-athletes in video games, DVDs, and in other platforms. 59-year-old Tom Watson enjoyed tremendous success at last week's British Open. Success. I have great news for you. How sweet it is. Right on, sweet sister. Time to highlight a winning move from the world of sports business. Oh, man, that's sweet. Sports Business Radio presents Sweet Success. That'd be sweet. Brought to you by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. To find Moose Tracks at a store near you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. 59-year-old Tom Watson captivated the nation, as we told you in our headline segment last weekend at the British Open at Turnberry. He could have become the oldest Grand Slam winner ever. 59 years old, really amazing what he did. And he's got longtime sponsors, and boy, did those sponsors have success and reap the benefits of the exposure Tom Watson got on ABC and in many other platforms of media, newspapers, online, magazines. There was probably no greater success than Adams Golf. You can see that on his hat very clearly. Adams Golf president and CEO Chip Brewer said the amount of exposure the company received as a result of Watson's run at the British Open is, quote-unquote, beyond belief. Watson lost to Stuart Sink in a four-hole playoff, but he's the marquee spokesperson for Adams Golf. And if you looked at the stock for Adams Golf this week, It was really amazing. Last Friday, shares were up nearly 18%. And then Monday, the day after the British Open, they rose more than 9%. So, Bobby, when you can affect a stock price like that, it's unbelievable because you don't see those kinds of spikes, especially in this economy. 
and to see the exposure that Adams Golf got as well as Titleist and Polo, the marquee sponsors as well for Tom Watson, great return on investment. Absolutely. I'm looking at the stock chart right now for Adams Golf. And you're right. I mean, going into the weekend, it's sitting under 3 bucks. It pops up to over $3.20 a share and was there for a majority of this last week. It was a huge, huge revenue gainer for the company. Well, and Adams Golf signs Tom Watson because he's an iconic player. They never imagined in their wildest dreams that this guy is going to be competing for a major on the PGA Tour, not the Champions Tour, and that he's going to get this kind of exposure. He's going to be you know, on ABC every single second. He's going to be in newspapers across the country. He's going to be in magazines. He's going to be all over websites. And Adams Golf, Titleist, and Polo are along for the ride. So tremendous success for those companies this week. And our sweet success segment is sponsored by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. Go online to moosetracks.com and click on the store locator for the Moose Tracks nearest you. All right, coming up in our next segment, Charles Robinson. He's Yahoo Sports' NFL reporter The NFL season's right around the corner. Some big storylines. Michael Vick, Ben Roethlisberger, the return of Tom Brady. We'll talk NFL. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Charles Robinson. He's the NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports. You can read him online at yahoosports.com. He's joined us many times in the past. Charles, NFL season's right around the corner. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. It's uh, picking up. It's so much for the summer, right? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. It's flown by. So I want to talk about Michael Vick. I mean, I know a lot of people have spoken about him. He's interesting for this show because, you know, he was once one of the faces of the NFL. He had a $130 million contract. He had endorsement deals with Nike and Coca-Cola. But, boy, how the mighty can fall. Uh, He just got done serving his prison sentence for the dog fighting ring he was involved in. What's up next for Michael Vick? And I guess which teams do you think are most likely to take a risk on taking on Vic and all of his baggage? Well, really, you know, first and foremost, you know, he's got to get the meeting with the commissioner, the NFL commissioner, out of the way. Um, you know, once that's taken care of, uh, I, I don't expect there's going to be, you know, any any decision by Roger Goodell will probably drag on for a few days, you know, if, if not longer. Roger Goodell, 
has sort of defined the whole reinstatement um, atmosphere for him will have to be seeing, you know, remorse in Michael Vick's eyes. And that's, you know, it's sort of an unmeasurable thing, or at least, you know, it's, it really is in the eyes of the beholder, and that's going to be Roger Goodell. I think part of the decision is going to be based on a community of evidence. You know, he's spoken to, to Tony Dungy, who has spent some time with Michael Vick, you know, other people around the league who have either spoken to Michael Vick or, you know, gotten some insight on him. Um, you know, and, and I think, to me, the most interesting thing is for Roger Goodell to be looking at, you know, moving on that decision now rather than sort of holding this posture of we'll wait and see, which has really been the league's posture for the last two months. For him to be moving on now is probably a plus in Michael Vick's camp because, you know, that is Michael Vick's timeline. That's the, the timeline of his, of his agent is to try and get this done early in training camp while there's still options open for Michael Vick. And, you know, once he steps out there, uh, if he is reinstated, I think, yeah, you're going to have multiple teams step up. And I don't think it's just going to be quarterback needy teams. I think you're going to see some teams that have, you know, possibly even star quarterbacks in place, gauge some interest in Michael Vick, see uh, what kind of sub packages they could use him in, what his, you know, what kind of contract they could potentially work out with him. Even a team like the New England Patriots, you know, Michael Vick's trainer right now is Tom Shaw, has very, very strong ties to the New England Patriots. So there, I, I think there's a chance New England may even you know, kick the tires a little bit, depending on what Roger Goodell's decision is. Michael Vick is a veteran, obviously. What kind of contract would you expect him to sign? Are we looking at a veteran's minimum if he uh, signs with a team? Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think you know, an absolute best-case scenario for him would be to sign for what will likely be the veterans minimum, nothing guaranteed, but, you know, an incentive laden deal. You know, I, I don't think they have no leverage whatsoever. You know, Michael Vick and, and his agent, Joel Siegel, there's just no leverage out there, regardless of how many teams get involved. I, I pretty much think everyone's going to be looking at a, a non-guaranteed contract, contract, if not an extremely short-term contract, potentially with a, with a team option. But that, you know, that's just the reality. He spent 18 months in Leavenworth He's probably the least promotable athlete in the NFL next season. And, you know, as you said, that's amazing to even say that considering this was a $100 million quarterback, huge deals, I mean, just monumental marketing deals. And now I I don't think he's a marketable commodity anymore. And on top of that, any team that signs Michael Vick is going to have to do, you know, some work out in the community as well. It's not just going to be Michael doing work with the Humane Society or PETA or potentially giving you know, a portion of his salary over to charities. I, I think this team, whoever steps forward, is going to have to step out and say, hey, look, you know, we know we're, we're going to endure some criticism, but we want to work with you know, the people in the community to make sure they understand that we don't advocate anything that Michael was involved in before. This is simply about giving him a second chance and maybe even bringing a little light to you know, the causes of, of a lot of these animal rights groups. Besides New England, what other teams might kick the tires, as you say, on Vic? Well, you know, I, I think there's going to be, um, you know, a number of teams out there. I, I, you know, initially I thought that, you know, Mike Tomlin has been an extremely um, ardent supporter of Vic getting a second chance before the, the, the latest Ben Roethlisberger issues. Um, you know, I thought p- potentially the Pittsburgh Steelers might be a team that would look at, you know, uh, taking a look at Vic and, and potentially, uh, you know, like I said, seeing if there were any sub packages and what the price would be and really what what the um, fallout would be 
in signing him. I don't know if that's the case anymore. Now I think you have to start to look around at other teams, potentially a Minnesota Vikings, depending on you know what happens with the Brett Favre situation. I think uh, you know a team like Miami. Obviously, we know that you know it's a team that's steeped in the Wildcat. Um, I think that's probably the most tailor-made team for for Michael Vick right now in terms of him being able to walk on the field, operate, and and really put a lot out there. Uh, but but you know beyond that, it, it's it's hard to say because ultimately when push comes to shove, I still believe perhaps not a lot of coaches, but a lot of ownership you know groups are going to be scared off by what Michael Vick brings to the table and the potential backlash. Yeah, I mean, he comes with a lot of PR baggage. So it's yeah. interesting that you mentioned New England. They've got a strong locker room. They've got yeah. a tremendous fan base. They're probably one of the few teams in the league that could take on a Michael Vick and his baggage and not have too many bumps in the road. Well, and not, and not only take him on, but you know they've reclaimed some pretty damaged reputations before clearly nothing you know to the extent of a michael vick but you know cory dillon went to the new england patriots with an absolutely horrible reputation um you know had had problems internally with the locker in, in inside the locker room in cincinnati had had problems off the field and you know really kind of finished his career in a flourish with new england largely because of a strong locker room a strong coaching staff a you know strong ownership um, and then a guy like Randy Moss. I think Randy Moss, up until the point that New England went and got him, was not an attractive commodity in the NFL. I mean, this was a guy that the Oakland Raiders, you know, gave away for for uh, you know a, what a sixth round pick. And um, you know, there weren't that many teams interested in Randy Moss, and there were a lot of teams that you know, if they were interested, kind of even blanched at giving up a late round pick to him. So. Um, but they brought him in. You know, this was a guy who still had a ton of speed, and and they saw huge dividends with Brandy Moss. And I kind of think that, you know, Michael Vick's trainer Tom Shaw and his ties to their training staff and their coaching staff. I can guarantee you, one of his selling points to them is going to be, look, this guy is as athletically gifted as he ever was. As the, you know, the day he stepped into the NFL from Virginia Tech, he's still got all those abilities. He just needs a very inventive coaching staff in front of him. He needs a strong locker room around him. And potentially, there's even a plus of having a guy like Tom Brady in front of a Michael Vick because I can guarantee you no one in New England is going to be clamoring to push Michael Vick into a starter's role, which takes a heck of a lot of pressure off of him. So if there's a team capable of doing it, enduring the storm that comes with Michael Vick and prospering, we've seen New England do it in the past. Interesting. We're joined by Charles Robinson. He's the NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports. You can read him online at yahoosports.com. Charles, singer Mark Anthony has purchased a stake in the Miami Dolphins. This is after singer Gloria Estefan previously purchased a stake in the team. Looks like owner Stephen Ross, who's a new owner there in Miami, is really going after the Latin American community in South Florida. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is this is really no surprise. I mean, first off, you know, Ross, if you want to talk about timing, you know, this is a guy who, uh, you know, has roots in New York City, huge real estate developer, you know, big-time businessman. His purchase of the Miami Dolphins couldn't have come at a worse time. I mean, essentially, the guy, you know, sinks $1.5 billion into the purchase of, you know, his stake in, in this team, the land, and, and everything that comes with an NFL team, a 95% stake. And then, you know, this this all happens in, in very early 2008, and the economy bottoms out, you right. know, in the, what, the 18 months after. So um, 
I think, in a way, Ross is looking at the fact that you know he's probably lost some equity, well, quite a bit of equity in a franchise, as many NFL franchises have lost equity over the last 18 months to two years. And I think part of it is you know selling off that money to, to drum up some funds, but I also think part of it clearly is to capture a lot of the Latin fan base in South Florida. And you know Stephen Ross being a businessman, that is one thing that you know being in South Florida, Wayne Huizenga never really did with the Miami Dolphins. I mean, clearly as as long as he owned that team, you know the the complexion of the fan base definitely you know parts of it definitely changed. And and I don't know that Wayne Huizenga. You know, embraced it to its fullest, and, and Ross isn't taking that chance. Ross is stepping out, and I, I think trying to embrace that, and at the same time, you know, gain back a little bit of that equity. Now, I wasn't looking very hard, but it didn't look like Bill Parcells was posing with J Lo and uh, <laughs> Mark Anthony at the press conference. Just to be clear, Parcells will only have to answer to Stephen Ross. He's not going to answer to any of these minority investors, right? Oh, absolutely no, no, he he won't. I mean, it's it's typically any any majority owner, um, unless you're probably talking like a fifty five forty five split. But typically, the majority owner, when it comes to you know anyone of of uh, Bill Parcells' stature, they they only answer to the majority owner. I mean, that's that's essentially the one person that they look up to. I mean, uh, you know, a guy like Paul Allen. You know, if if you're a, a Bill Parcells and you go to the Seattle, you know, Seahawks, you're answering to Paul Allen and really no one else. So, yeah, there's there's no doubt. I don't think Bill Parcells is going to have to worry about, you know, any anyone else, uh, you know, pushing him to make any football decisions or or, you know, looking at his job status. And yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And you know what? Even if Bill Parcells did have to answer to some minority owners. I don't know that he's really a photo op kind of guy. Yeah, in no that kidding. Situation. No kidding. Yeah, I definitely don't see him posing with J Lo. We're joined by Charles Robinson. He's the NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports. Charles, you posted online at yahoosports.com your top 10 storylines heading into the NFL preseason. For the sake of time, let's discuss your top three storylines. What are they? Well, number one, you know, I think Tom Brady, clearly. Tom Brady and that knee uh, will, will be the most watched knee in the NFL. Um, you know, there's no doubt that, that this is a guy who left at the, or was injured at absolutely the peak of his game to have a 50-touchdown season in 2007 and then to suffer what was a pretty serious knee injury and then a follow-up infection last season. I think everybody's wondering, really, where is Tom Brady going to be at? So I, I think Tom Brady is definitely your number one. I think, you know, the second thing a lot of people are going to be looking at is the different quarterback drama around the league. you got a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, who obviously is going through a great deal of drama, a, a very, um, you know, dam- potentially damaging civil suit brought against him, and, you know, something that clearly will probably be tried in the public eye over the, the next, you know, weeks and months is going to hang over his head, or very likely going to hang over his head. And you're talking about a Steelers team, everybody, you know, the talk of this team a week ago was, you know, oh, are they going to repeat 20 of 22 starters coming back? I mean, there was just all these positive storylines, and all of a sudden this Roethlisberger thing hits, and it changes everything. you got Brett Favre. There's some more quarterback drama in Minnesota. Everybody's going to be wondering, number one, you know, what's going to happen when and if Brett comes back? Um, you know, how is this going to change the, the, the locker room chemistry? What can Brett bring to the Minnesota Vikings? And then, you know, we talked previously about Michael Vick. I think this is a guy that everyone's going to wonder, where is he going to end up? So, to me, the quarterback drama's got to be number two. And then number three, I think, Sean Merriman. Sean Merriman's return to the San Diego Chargers. You're sort of talking about a guy who is amongst, at the top of his game, is amongst the, you know, possibly two or three best defenders in the NFL, has a chance to totally change 
the complexion of where the San Diego Chargers are going. If Sean Merriman comes back and he's that 16 to 20 sack guy, you're probably looking at the San Diego Chargers as being one of the teams to beat in the AFC. Last question for you, the Arizona Cardinals. They got to the Super Bowl last year, surprised a lot of people. They have most of their key starters coming back. They've really uh, become the team in Arizona, which for a long time they couldn't do. I'm from Arizona, and boy, it took a long time, really until last year, for that community to embrace them. What do you expect from the Cardinals this year? Do you think they can follow up on their success from last year, or is that a flash in the pan? Well, no, I you know I think clearly as you said, I mean they're they're bringing back most of the key pieces. I mean they did lose a guy like Antonio Smith, the defensive end there in the off season, who was very important to their defensive line. I mean he wasn't a huge stat guy, but Antonio Smith had a lot to do with the, the development of younger guys. He was a great locker room guy. I think they take a little bit of a hit there. Um, you know, I think they also, you know, adding Chris Wells in that backfield and not having Edger and James, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Chris Wells, the first-round pick, a guy who they did not pick to, to basically sit behind, you know, Tim Hightower, who was Edger and James' backup last year. He's going to have to produce because, you know, I mean, really you got a passing game that should open things wide open for him. So, um, to me, I don't see any reason why the Cardinals should not – I think take how they started the first half of last season as that super hot, high-scoring team and be able to translate it sort of based off of that wave of momentum you know, of going to the Super Bowl. But that said, I thought that of the Seattle Seahawks when they made the Super Bowl and lost. You know, I thought it of you know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles when they made it and they lost. I mean, it seems every year the team that loses the Super Bowl falls apart a little bit. But knowing Kurt Warner and, and you know, the fact that you have an a quarterback who is at a stature in his career where he knows what it's like to come off a Super Bowl and they've got a lot of young guys who are still on that ascending arc, Larry Fitzgerald, Anquan Bolden. This is a team which should still score points. So as long as they can keep up defensively, they should win a lot of games. Well, Charles, I appreciate your time. I definitely want to have you on again sometime soon and talk about the collective bargaining agreement and the labor situation. That seems like it could be going nowhere and could get ugly, and I'd love to have you on to discuss that. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thanks, Charles. You can read them online at yahoosports.com. Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Two quick stories before we wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. Golfer Phil Mickelson is one of three businessmen who have made a late bid to buy the Nashville-based Waffle House franchisee out of bankruptcy. 
Mickelson's group GS Acquisitions LLC has offered $20.2 million for the 105 restaurant group that spans four states. The group also includes Mickelson's agent Steve Loy and former Big Idea Inc. COO Terry Pafanis. Our other story in a new ABC reality television series that began filming this week, Shaquille O'Neal is going to take on other top athletes in their own sports. Shaq Versus, which is set to premiere August 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, begins filming Wednesday in Pittsburgh, where Shaq will take on Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger in football. That should be interesting with the week that Roethlisberger had. Future episodes of the hour-long show will feature Shaq against Olympic swimming sensation Michael Phelps. I can't wait to see that one. Boxing legend Oscar De La Hoya. St. Louis Cardinals slugger Albert Pujols. Tennis star Serena Williams. And beach volleyball Olympians Misty Mae Trenner and Kerry Walsh. Shaq told USA Today that he came up with the idea as a way to train for the upcoming NBA season. He has the blessing of the Cleveland Cavaliers on this show. Bobby, it should be pretty entertaining, it sounds like. You know, I I hope when Shaq goes in the ring against De La Hoya, I hope he gets socked in the mouth so many times because he'll come back. You know, And listen, if you're the Cavaliers, you're like, okay, yeah, this is fine. But you know deep down they're like, this is a bad, bad idea. Well, he said he wants to fight Brock Lesnar from MMA, and I think Brock Lesnar would kick his rear end, but... You know, we'll see. So this will be an interesting show to watch. Set your DVRs. All right. Lots of thank yous on our show. Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harrison, Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Moose Tracks Ice Cream, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, Morton's The Steakhouse, and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I will be out next week in the Philippines. Nathan Roach and Bobby Corsa will be hosting this very show. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll see you in two weeks. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses. I'm a big fan of the houses. Happy to help them make a difference. He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. A little change can make a big difference. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. (laughs) 
Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday, <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. 